tuned into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. Hey, 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 people. Welcome back to another episode of The Kirby Critic with Carla Renata right here at Black Hollywood Live. I am your host, Carla Renata, and today I got a jam-packed show for you, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time, and we will talk about some things into the conversation, but I have somebody with me today live that is my boo. That is one of the reasons when I go to the set at NBC Superstore, Superstore, (laughs) that I just love going there when he's there, because he is literally like a ray of sunshine. And we have the oh, best time. And I really just look forward to us singing some stupid song on camera so that I can record it and post it online. But without further ado, y'all, this is Nico Santos from NBC Superstore. Welcome, my brother. Hi. How are you? Hey, hey girl. Um, hey, boo. Hey. Hi, I'm good. And I'm so happy to have you here. Um, so the Thank last you so time much I, for having me. Oh, of course. I think the last time I saw you, was in March. Is that right? That was March, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> we had to shut down production a week. We had just one episode left, the finale left to film, and we had to shut down. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, were you, what, what was the last episode you did? The last episode I did was the one where, it was the Easter episode where oh, Brett okay. was funny, or Brett rather yeah. was funny. And I, I shot I shot up until that, I think I shot up until that Thursday, and I think that Friday they shut y'all down, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it was like, you know, nobody knew what was up. We were all just sort of like waiting for, for the call to come, or was it going to come? And then, you know, our, our phones our phones rang, and then they were like, we're, we're shutting down, go clean out your trailer. And, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I went. I went to. I went. I went to set with with my boyfriend Zeke, and he helped me clean up my trailer. Uh, we were like, we had just gone to like try to go to Costco that morning, and oh, we no. couldn't because it was a, a you know the, the craziness with the hoarding started. And I remember I opened my trailer, and I was like, oh my god, there are four rolls of toilet paper here, and I <laughs> did you take them? Yes. <laughs> Of course I did. We 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 were like down to our last five rolls, and then I told the transfer the transfer guys. I was like, full disclosure, I'm taking this with me. And then we went on set to try to see if there were toilet paper, if there was toilet paper on set in the store. And oh, the prop no. guys were like, they were like, oh, that was gone like a week ago. Wow. <laughs> you guys are too late. <laughs> you guys are too late. You know when I was on set. <clears throat> I was telling them in the hair and makeup trailer, I was like, y'all, I went to the store like a couple of days ago. And when you walk to the back of the Costco that's by my house, in the back, there would be all these crates and there would be toilet paper and paper towels usually on all those crates. I walked back there and there was a big hole in the floor. I was like, what's going on? I was like, I didn't understand what was happening. And then that happened. And so now here we are. In quarantine, it's been yeah. three months. Three months. I, I go out every two weeks to give provisions. <laughs> you know, I go out once every two weeks. I don't interact with anybody else other than my mom. And it's been a situation. And I've been holding up pretty good because I've been really busy. But how has it been for you? You know, it's been 
it's it's been it's been hard. I mean, I'm gonna lie. It's been it's been difficult. I mean, not only dealing with. I mean, as you know, my my stepfather uh, passed away uh, from COVID. So dealing with you know the loss of my stepfather and 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 that grief has been difficult. Uh, but mm, having so to do sad. that, thank you. But having having to do that in the middle of the pandemic as well, you know, throwing that on top of it, just just been like, what else, you know? And then. All this recent events has been happening with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, sort of like really taking off, and all the protests that are happening. It's been great, but like all all these huge moments uh, in 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 our world are happening right now, and you're just like, it's uh, I don't know, it's it's. I mean, things are happening, you know, and it's just a, a lot of it, and like a lot of it, everything is a lot. So. Yeah, I mean, you know. Speaking of Black Lives Matter, it's been really interesting because right here in the last, I don't know, 24, 48 hours, there have been two young Black men that were lynched. I'm not even going to yeah. say hung from a tree. They were lynched yeah. here in Southern California. And Suicides? you got people marching. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the narrative. It's suicide. Just yeah. like the narrative is when you're pulled over by a cop, the narrative is you fit the description. Like the footage that showed up this week with Jay Farrell, with them, with him being stopped back in April, and you see the footage of him jogging. He's kind of minding his own business, and then the cop. There's like this SWAT of cops that come out of nowhere. They take him down. Child, you would have thought he had robbed a bank. It was ridiculous. And and they had his knee. Not only did they have their knee on his neck, but had a gun to his head too. I'm like, really? And I don't know. I don't know if this is happening with you, but I know for me, I'm exhausted at having the conversation of people asking me. Somebody asked me just the other day, what did somebody do to you that you felt was racist? And it was the terminology of that I felt was racist, right? Yeah. So but you took what, it, you took it the wrong way. That's what they right. were saying. So this is what happened to me the other day. I was in Costco and I saw a lane that was moving a little quicker. I went to move into it. This elderly white gentleman to my left decided he wanted to move at the same time. Of course, I'm a little younger, so I moved a little swifter than him. He took his entire cart, threw it at my cart, and so and I just let the cart sit there. I'm like, I'm gonna ignore him. Now we got masks on and everything. And then he literally gets in my face and claps in my face like this. He goes, hey, and claps in my face, hands in my face, like this close. No, oh no. And I was like, he got the wrong one. This <laughs> <laughs> is what I thought first. And then I thought, I can't, I can't, I can't go there. I can't do this with him today. So I just yeah. looked at him and I just stared at him and I didn't say one word and eventually he backed up and guess who left Costco first? He did. But see, this is that's the kind of stuff that I can't explain to somebody. I can't yeah. explain to you why somebody thinks it's okay to hop up in my face and clap their hands in my face because they don't like the fact that I got into a lane before they did. Or they don't yeah. like the fact that, you know, I can't explain to them how when I walk down the street, a white woman will clutch her bag, mm -hmm. literally clutch her bag. Or how when I'm in a department store, somebody will, a plainclothes police officer will be following me around the store right. thinking I'm going to steal something. I can't explain that to you. And there's no reason for it simply other than the fact that I don't look like you. Yeah. 
and I can't, I can't, I can't explain what that feels like to have somebody on a daily basis for one reason or another, make an assumption or have an opinion simply based on the color of your skin. Now I know it's pride month and we had some trans people that passed away too. And that yeah. were murdered too. So I don't know um, if being, you know, someone that is gay in the industry and having to deal with that, like how, do, how are you feeling about that? Now, now that the, the energy has sort sort of shifted a little bit toward the LGBT community and toward the trans community in light of everything else that's happened. Well, I mean, and you know, like I said, like everything is is, is a lot. You know, I mean, like now 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 that's happening. The the whole uh, Trump uh, taking back the the trans rights from healthcare. You're just like, what else is going to happen? You know, like. Right now, I mean, how much more can can our society take? You know, we're all just trying to do our best here. But you know, the the thing that struck with me the most right now, that with, with everything that's happening right now, is that you know, I I was born and raised in the Philippines, and I moved to the United States uh, as as a teenage teenager. But when I was a kid, when I was about like seven eight years old, um, was when the the Marcos regime, the, the Marcos dictatorship, was toppled. Oh and, wow! You know, and so it's like when I was kid like you know the, the country I, like I saw the country have a revolution much like what's happening right now in in, in America so I'm just saying like all these protests like brought up a lot of stuff from my past and I was like this feels uh I was just telling my partner like I haven't felt like this uh since I was a kid like this feeling of like people are just like you know the black community has just been fed up with what's happening and, and 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 people they're just like enough is enough, and and now they're taking to the streets and protesting. And I haven't seen that sort of uh, happen uh, since I was a kid, and, and it's a very familiar feeling. And I don't know, it's 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 scary to see everything, all the changes that are going on. It's it's incredible to see the, the changes that are going on. Um, I, I I just you know, I don't know. We just have to sort of eyes on the prize, I guess, and just see where this is going to take us. And I really hope that finally that there is going to be some change that's going to be happening. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that what happens this time is that we do not, I hope that this isn't a cyclical thing again. I hope that this isn't a situation again in history where people are out there marching and protesting and saying everything that they want to say and, you know, feeling fed up. And then at some point, the spotlight kind of dies and people kind of go back to business as usual. That's what I'm hoping doesn't happen because yeah. I can't, I, I honestly emotionally can't bear that because this isn't, this isn't the first protest I've seen. I was, <laughs> I hate to admit this, but I was alive during the civil rights movement. I watched people protest for human rights and the right to vote. I was here when they were voting and um, marching against apartheid. Just a few years ago, they were marching for women's reproductive rights, which that also got overturned by this administration. So I just feel like at this point, the only recourse we have is to vote and just, you know, let, yeah. let the ballot box do its thing. Because I, I mean, don't think anything else at this point is gonna matter. I mean, that's, that's, that's the best thing we can do is like vote uh, these beep, Child, please, beep, that's beep, a whole beep, other beep, conversation. Beep. <laughs> like, that's a whole other conversation. But on another yeah. note, let's talk, <laughs> okay, something lighter. Let's yeah, talk exactly. About, Superstar is a comedy, by the way. Superstar is a comedy. It's a sitcom. Um, 
let's talk about Superstore. But before we talk about Superstore, child, as I was researching you to see what else you had going on, I did not realize that there was another Nico Santos that's like a German superstar. <laughs> this I, I, I get tagged on Twitter and Instagram like every day if, or every other day, if not every day for his music. And I just start messing with his fans because they always tag me. So I'll, I'll always just like, oh, thank you so much. This song is about, you know, that time I shoplifted the whole ham at Whole Foods. Um, <laughs> and I just like start messing with them. Yes. Yeah. That but you know what? Be. He cute though, not gonna lie. Well, yeah, he is, he fine now. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. He He's is handsome, fine. he's quite handsome, yeah. He is quite handsome, he is quite handsome. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit at the top of the hour about you know, how Superstore is handling going back to work un under the new guidelines and things that are hmm. being set. But in the long run, how do you think this is going to affect the industry moving forward? Because, you know, I was thinking about soap operas, you know, they always have all those physical scenes and they be I... slobbing each other down and all up in the bed with no clothes on or scantily clad. Yeah. I'm like, how's that going to work? I mean, SNL did a whole sketch about it. It's really funny. Um, with the Barbie you know, dolls. I... <laughs> I am just like, uh, you know what I love about our, our set, the Superstore set, is that it's such an amazing environment. Everybody's so friendly. We are really close. Um, and just all the stuff, like, it's, it's a very light, boisterous, fun set to be in. And, you know, obviously safety first and, and the safety of the, of, of the cast and the crew is paramount and everybody who works on the production and the, their safety is paramount. So I just, I, I'm not looking forward to how it's going to change the dynamic. Um, I hope that we can still keep and hold on to that, uh, that fun and, and happy environment that we have. But, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's going to, it's going to change. You know, we have to adapt to the new normal, but um, I think it's, important for us to to carry on the work that we're doing i can't wait to get started uh, especially uh on a show like superstore where we do get to uh tackle uh topics from real life you know we're one of the few yeah. shows that that can really uh you know uh tackle the topics head on so um, i'm really excited for 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 what our show is gonna how they're gonna tackle the, the pandemic and, and and all the protests that are happening in the Black Lives Matter. I'm excited for that. Show. I'm yeah. excited for that too, because they usually kind of hit the nail right on the head with that. And not for nothing, but our show is one of the most diverse shows on television. You know, between yeah. you and Nicole and Colton and myself as a recurring yeah, member yeah. and uh, Coleco, you yeah. know, it's one of the most diverse casts on on television and I'm really proud of that because I've been a part of a lot of different casts over the years and that hasn't always been the case. So, and, yeah. and it also hasn't always been the case where um, every once in a while they will let someone like me have a moment or let me talk, you know, more than two lines. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. and, and, and as you've witnessed, like we, they, they, they encourage us to just really play and, and improvise and, and um, they welcome it. And it's such an amazing, you know, it's, it's such an amazing, uh, I, don't, I don't know what I did in, in a past life to sort of like end up in my position because like working on a show like Superstore where, you know, you, you walk on set and like, oh my God, I'm not the only person of color here. Like, because, you know, as you know, as working actors, you, some, like you just said, you're like, 99% of the time you walk in, you're like, great. And you yeah. know what? I've never, you know, 
I've heard so many times from my African-American friends about the hair thing, how they walk into a hair and makeup trailer and they don't have the proper equipment to handle black people's hair or proper makeup, you know? Look, I'm going to tell this story real quick before we close out and I ask you this last question. I was on set one time. I was on set for a commercial where I looked at the table and knew that they didn't have the right palette for me and was asking questions. And the makeup artist was pissed that I was asking questions and turned me away from the mirror and made up my face. And when I went back to my trailer, I was looking like Casper the Friendly Ghost. No. So for, for somebody like me, I You're always like, no. look. No, I always show up with my own makeup. And if it ain't looking right, I will go right in that trailer and wash my face and redo it. Cause I can do my face in five minutes flat. I'm a theater doll. I know how to do some makeup real fast. So I will do that. But the fact that I even have to do that, the fact that I have to come prepared with my own stuff is just annoying. And I just get frustrated and annoyed at the fact that people, why is that okay? Why is it okay for you to have that job and you don't know how to do all kinds of hair and all kinds of makeup? That's not yeah. okay. Yeah. And especially That's- if you're just like a, a starting, like, you know, if you were like a, an actor who's just starting out and you're so excited to be on set and, you know, and, and you get there and you're like, oh, you don't have, you, you know, it's just like, yeah. ugh. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking yeah. to watch your peers and constituents you know, look like they having a spa day and you know that that's not going to be what your experience is. You just know. And yeah. so hopefully, you know, moving into this whole new normal, that will change too. Because it's a lot of things that need to change. It's not just about the amount of people that you have on camera that's diverse. It needs to be diverse behind the camera too. So yes. what are you streaming, boo-boo, while you, um, you and your boo? What you streaming? <laughs> We've been watching um, some Shit's Creek. Okay. Uh, we've been watching a lot of that. Um, a lot of um, what else? We have Disney Plus. So I just watched that Artemis Fowl movie. I like me a little sci-fi, sci-fi. Me fantasy too. Mode. I love that movie. It it didn't get such good reviews, but I loved it. It was good. <laughs> I just like a fun sci-fi. Like it was I, fun. I just, oh, did you watch Ad Astra? They just HBO just came out of it. Yes, I watched Ad Astra. Ciao. <laughs> now you know I didn't see me some Ad Astra. <laughs> What do you think? I love you know we'll talk about that privately. <laughs> we we have a sidebar off camera about that at some point. Uh, I was like, it's pretty. Stop! I can't stand you. Well, baby, I don't want to take any more of your time up, but I thank you so much for rolling out the bed and coming thank out you. to talk to me. We talked about we usually are kicking it and kikiing it and having a really good time, and we did a little bit, but. You know, we're living in more serious times. And so I would be remiss if I didn't address that with somebody that I know and love that I know knows how to keep it real, but tactful and tasteful all at the same time. So thank you. I love you, girl. It's so good to see you. I can't wait to see you on set. I love you, Black. It'll be good to see you on set too. Bye, Nico. Bye. (laughs) Oh my goodness, y'all. It's a situation here at the Curvy Critic with Carla Renata. So coming up next, another one of my friends decided to join me, but he's not here live today. I actually pre-taped an interview with him earlier this week. His name is Norm Lewis. He is a huge Broadway star. He's been in Miss Saigon. He's been in the Who's Tommy. He's been in The Little Mermaid. He's been in um, Porgy and Bess. He was nominated for Tony for Porgy and Bess. He played Kerry Washington's boo on Scandal. And now he is in the latest Spike Lee joint, The Five 
Bloods. And we sat down and talked about his character, Eddie, Black men in the Vietnam War, and so much more. Take a look and a listen to Norm Lewis. I read, read the book that it's based on called Bloods, which I recommend. Go get Bloods. And it's short stories, and it tells stories about the Black culture that was there. This was the first war that was ever fought that was not a segregated army. It wasn't like a white army and a black army like the previous wars. This was one army. They segregated themselves in Vietnam, but, um, and they ended up having, and you saw us doing like the DAP when we would see each other and stuff. That was significant because that's how a lot of units and platoons would recognize each other. So there's a different DAP for each pl different platoon. And DAP means dignity and pride. Ooh, so, now that I didn't know. That was brought back over and a lot of people started doing those kinds of things like flip wilson would do hey you know those kind of you know people would see it on a commercial level but that started over uh, in vietnam but um yeah it really resonated with us knowing finding out each day and we saw footage that spike gave us of documentaries about the black culture that was there and i was like how come we didn't know that like it's not in our history books it's not in any films so this will definitely be uh, a key to a door that opens up to more black history. Like, I hope that not only do they find out more about the Vietnam War, but they go back further and find out more about what was left out of our history in American history. That's one of the things I love about Spike Lee's filmmaking. Everything that he does is some kind of nod to some historical moment within black life here in America. It's always, and it's sometimes it's very subtle, and sometimes it's like smack dab in your face, like a big old pail of cold water. But he always, you know, addresses what our experience is in life in America. And, and I love him for that yeah. as a filmmaker. And I loved you. I loved seeing you in this film, because you, this is, you are somebody that went from being like, you know, in the chorus of Tommy to Miss Saigon to being the Phantom to being Porgy, and you know, and now you in the Spike Lee joint. So, what did it sound like when you got that call telling you, "So yeah, dude, you got the gig. You're gonna be in the latest Spike Lee joint." It's funny because you know I've known Spike for a while, and we've seen each other at different events. He's come to see some shows that I've been a part of, and. Uh, and then I ended up getting cast in uh, She's Gotta Have It. I had a small role uh, in the TV show She's Gotta Have It. So I had that, that experience with him. Then a, a few months later, I get a phone call from Spike. He's like, yo, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. He's like, okay, I'm sending, you, I'm sending you a script. Read it. Click. Shut up. He did not just hang up on you like that. Click. <laughs> okay. When Spike Lee calls, you, you, do what he, you do what he tells you to do. I had no idea that I was being considered. But I thought, okay, you know what? Spike is asking my opinion about a script that he was, you know, one of the authors of. So I read the script. He called me the next day. And he said, what do you think about it? I said, oh, it's great, man. It's fantastic. Uh, listen, I, I, good luck. <laughs> and he said, I want you to meet me for dinner in Brooklyn. So I went to dinner. I talked with him. And we talked about the, the script. I still don't know what's happening, but I still, I'm like, yeah, I'm going along with it. Yeah, Spike, this is great. Eddie, you know, these, these characters are great. And then he asked me, what do you think about this character, Eddie? Fantastic. I really love the way that he, you know, his arc and everything. I want you to play Eddie. So I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I was I like, kinda, oh, that's, that's what this is. This, that's what's going down right now. <laughs> but I just didn't, you know, I didn't want to assume anything. So... Uh, I'm inside jumping up and down like a little little schoolboy. Like, ah, ah, ah. I'm trying to be cool. I said, yeah, thanks, man. That's awesome. 
yeah, I really am honored by this. But inside, I'm like flipping, you know. But um, I, we get over there to Thailand. He had just won the Oscar, so he was in a good mood. And, and what, right. <laughs> but what I loved about, I, I didn't know, you know, his process. I, you know, I had that little bit of experience on She's Gotta Have It, but it wasn't that significant because I only had, you know, like a day uh, to be on that. But uh, he knows what he wants, when he wants it, and how he wants it. So you, you trust that. But within that, he gives you the freedom to be you. Now, you say these lines, and you do it, and you do it to the best of your ability. He'll sometimes go, that didn't work. Change this line. Change that word. Or he'll say, what would Eddie say in this moment? And he gave us this freedom within the confines of what he wanted. He gave us this freedom, and it felt so good as an actor to do that. Because, you know, he's an actor, you know? He's a writer. He's a director. He's a cinematographer. Like, he has all of that. So I felt really, really comforted and I felt um I could trust him and all of us together like the dynamic that you saw on the film that was kind of our dynamic off state so he really knows how to cast a film too um you know it was it was great and I'm glad I got to work with people that I've admired for years and that I've known for a long time and and this new guy for, for me he was new but Jonathan Majors the one that plays the son to Delroy oh, Jonathan Majors is a beast I've seen him in in two or three other films. He was in The Last Black Man in San Francisco, yeah. chewing up the scenery. scenery. And, then, and he was in some movie, uh, White Boy Rick, with um, Matthew McConaughey. Again, chewing up the scenery. That boy, he, he's, he, you write he's about a, Jonathan. Jonathan's uh, the next big thing. Just like three years ago, just graduated from Yale, and he's done about 16 things, and he's not stopped yet. And I'm so proud to know him, and I'm like, yo, brah, you know, if you need a dad or something. Uh-uh, not if you need a dad. Get <laughs> your brother. You know, just let me, an, uh, let me be an extra in your movie. You know? I can't stand you. I want to ask you one question about um, Eddie. Eddie, uh-huh. Eddie seems to be this character who he's, he, he's trying to front in front of his boys. You know, he's got this car dealership. You know, he puts his car down. He's like, I got everybody's room. And then they get out in the jungle and everybody's letting their drawers down. And, <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, you in the jungle. Like, ain't nobody out there. Can't nobody tape you. Ain't nothing right. happening. And then he finally admits, you know, because they were like, yeah, you know, Eddie, we know this ain't nothing for you because, you know, you rich. You got this. You got that. And you were like, yo, I'm broke. And they were like, er, 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 er. Why do you think? And that's something, and that's something that is prevalent within the black culture. We we front with each other, and we try to make it appear as though not all of us, but in certain situations, we will make it think we will have other people think thinking that we are balling and we're not. Why do you think we as black people, and particularly us as human beings, why do why do folk feel the need to put on airs and just you know and not be their authentic self in those moments? So there's so many layers to that question because you know I was. I feel like success within the culture uh, makes you better, makes you feel better about yourself, makes you, you know, I've seen it within my family that, you know, there was significant lies that happened just because they wanted to look better than they were. And I just remember growing up um, in the South, my mom would always say, I don't understand why folks will have this beautiful car 
but they yet they live in a shack. And why would this beautiful car be in this shack? I, I just don't get it. Wouldn't you want to put more into your house and buy a, a, an economy car? So it's people, and it's not just to the black culture, but it's, but we're just, that's our experience. But I, wow, I, this is so many layers to this because I want to go in many different directions. But I will say this. I was just talking to someone recently about when I was growing up, I always thought that being closer to white would made you better. I, it took me a long time to accept my darkness as a black man. And, you know, that dynamic within our, our, our community. Absolutely. Me until I was in college to actually accept the fact that being dark was just as good as anybody else. I wanted to be a light-skinned brother because most of the light-skinned brothers that I knew were getting most of the attention, the girls and the, uh, the advantages. And so at least that's what I thought. But then things changed in college and, and I saw a significant difference. But it was always, you know, you, it's always coming into your own and trying to uh, be uh, the best in front of someone. And sometimes people lie about that. Yeah, it is. It's a really interesting situation with that. But I'm glad that, that you were open enough to answer that question because it is. It's like a layered question and there's, it's like an onion. There's very numerous layers to peel when it comes to that. And there's like no you know, right or wrong answer with it. It just is what it is. But since your character was living in that lane, I just wanted to like throw that out there. Since we had talked about everything else within the confines of the picture, I wanted to throw that out there. I think but, that, sorry to interrupt you, but I feel like I think that was the beauty of what uh, uh, Spike wrote and finding out because, you know, when you when he goes into the flashbacks, he's really looking at Norman and he's really looking at him for guidance and the history that he's talking about. And <clears throat> all of that comes back to him, you know, because he really wants to give back to Black Lives Matter, back, uh, back to the people. But he found out that success wasn't what it was built up to be, you know, so. Well, baby, I have enjoyed talking to you so much. And, and I did find out for sure, thanks to your lovely, lovely um, publicist, Giselle, that this was the first time that Tony's ever got canceled in history. It was the first time that the okay. ceremony had ever been canceled. But having said that, I'm so proud of you, Norm. I mean, you, I mean, I, I remember, I remember meeting you walking down the street, I think, in Manhattan on like 9th Avenue or 8th Avenue or something. And we used to, you didn't know this, but we used to joke in the theater community, we would call you like the Black Tony Curtis. <laughs> That's what you look like. But I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy that you are able to, that you have been able to maneuver in all these different lanes, being on Scandal, being on Broadway, doing these films, doing recordings, being part of BIV, Broadway Inspirational Voices. I mean, it's, you've, you're really having a wonderful ride and I, and I really hope and pray that it continues for quite some time. Well, I'm going to take that blessing and just, you know, I'm so grateful for all of those things that have happened to me, but I have to turn it back on you because you, Aww. we've been there. We've been through the trenches. We used to audition together and, you know, we got a lot of friends that just kind of hung together and stuff. And I love seeing your rise. I mean, you have I, I, commercials and uh, 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 being in movies and being on television and, and also now being a journalist. I mean, come on. You are multifaceted, and you're still beautiful, even though, I mean, look at here, black don't crack. <laughs> black don't crack. Black don't crack, I'm just saying that. <laughs>
Oh, thank you, Norm. I appreciate you. I love you so much. Thank you. 200 years old, but she looks like she's 20. You know what? I can't stand you. <laughs> I'm going to stop the recording. You are so stupid. <laughs> I can't stand Norm Lewis for saying that I am 200 years old, but I look like I'm 28. One could say the same thing about him. But thank you so much again. Nico Santos and Norm Lewis for coming and hanging out with a sister. You can catch The Five Bloods on Netflix right now, and you can catch Superstore on NBC. Next up, we got my girl Bryce Dallas Howard. I've spoken to her a few times, and she has a documentary that is her directorial debut coming on Apple TV Plus called Dads, where guess what? Her own dad, Ron Howard, is in the documentary. Shock on that one. But I talked to her about the goofiest thing her dad ever did and how she found them chocolate babies. And when you hear the interview, you'll understand why I said that. Take a look and take a listen to Bryce Dallas Howard. Hi, Bryce. Hi, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too. Girl, let me tell you something. For a directorial debut, you knocked this out of the park. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You certainly did that oh, right there. Yes, you did. I want to know, how did you find Glenn Henry and his little chocolate babies? Oh, my goodness, right? Um, he, he was one of the first people that we found. Uh, uh, let me tell you, it wasn't difficult because, you know, his channel is, is really extraordinary. He already had created a platform for himself um, to share his stories, his family stories. Uh, he had done a TED Talk. Uh, oh. so the first thing that I saw was actually his TED Talk. And I was like, who is this man? <laughs> like, you know, the, the sort of like uh, um, holy grail of, of dads, um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, what, what uh, I was, I was watching I was watching his channel last night um, just as a fellow parent uh, because of the lessons that he that he shares. Uh, it's really, it's brave. It's important. It's it's helpful. You know, I'm so grateful to be parenting in a time when I can look to him and and his and his wife's example. Absolutely. Yes, they do a great job. And it, it was very inspiring what they did. What is the goofiest thing that you can remember about your dad growing up? Oh, my gosh. I mean, my dad, he, <laughs> well, it's, um, <laughs> he, he's, he sleeps anywhere. He will sleep absolutely anywhere. And he can just like, it's like, instantaneously so it'll be like on the floor it'll be inside of a closet it'll be outside on a, the side of a wall like it's just whatever um I also hear he he walks around not that this is goofy necessarily but he walks around with a guitar and he's like always singing stuff and making stuff up and it's funny and it's sweet and um uh and then sometimes I hear stories about him singing to my mom and like dancing naked on a table and stuff like that. Nothing I've witnessed or observed, but I'm like, why do you even share these things? <laughs> I know. I'm not trying to know any of that about my parents ever. Like the thought of them even hooking up just makes me go, Oh, I don't want to, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is the best piece of advice he ever gave you? Um, 
You know what? He's uh, there was a piece of advice that uh, Alan Alda actually gave to my dad um, because he recognized when my dad was young and starting a family that he was someone who was very uh, passionate and hardworking and all of that. Um, and and Alan Alda said to my dad, you know, it's 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 perhaps strange to think of it this way, but you want to be giving as much attention, thought, time to your children on a daily basis that you would to the projects that you're most excited about. And to kind of think about that, to be like, oh yeah, like, like, am I thinking about working on making an effort to improve my, who I am as a parent on a, on a daily basis as much as I try to you know, be good in like Jurassic World or something. And, and if it's interesting because you can, it's a, it's a helpful gauge, you know, to kind of see like, am I going through the motions here or am I really showing up? Um, and, uh, and I think that's, that's a good piece of advice. Well, you showed up tenfold. You've given us a cinematic user's guide for fathers everywhere, no matter what type of fathering they're doing in the moment. I appreciate you. I adore you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm looking for more great things from you in the future. Carla, thank you so much. That means so, so much to me. Thank you. My pleasure. See you later. Awesome. Bryce Dallas Howard, I really do adore you. I adore your work. Congratulations on your directorial debut. Dad is fabulous, y'all. It's hitting the screens this week on Apple TV+. Plus right in time for Father's Day. And it's actually going to be one of the staple screenings happening at the AFI Docs Film Festival, which is going virtual this year for the first time. So you can check it out there. Go to AFI.com to find out more about that. Or you can check it when it hits Apple TV+. Before closing out, I just want to talk about this film that is on video demand right now, starring Pete Davidson, called The King of Staten Island. It is written and directed by Judd Apatow. And Pete Davidson is also producing it. It's loosely based on his life. Pete Davidson lost his father, who was a firefighter on 9-11. So this is dealing with how this young man handles the loss of his dad at a young age of seven years old and how he continues to navigate through life emotionally, spiritually, with his mom and with his girlfriend and his relationships as a result of that loss. For me, the thing that stood out the most for me was the performance of Marissa Tomei. She freaking rocks, but she rocks in everything that she does. But you can catch it right now. It's on video demand across all streaming platforms. Anywhere that is streaming movies, you will find The King of Staten Island. It stars Marissa Tomei and Pete Davidson, and it is produced by Universal Pictures. So y'all, that is it for The Curvy Critic with Carla Renata here at Black Hollywood Live this week. I had a lot of fun talking to all those people. Thanks again to Norm Lewis, Nico Santos, and Bryce Dallas Howard for giving me their time and their talent and allowing me to have a conversation with them. If you've never been here before, again, go down below and subscribe to the show, subscribe to the channel so that you will know when The Curvy Critic with Carla Renata is coming live to you. And just as a side note, you guys, we are in unprecedented times. I want you to stay safe and stay sane. Remember that we are still in the middle of a pandemic. In addition to fighting for lives, Black lives, trans lives, LGBTQ lives, and all lives, because at the end of the day, we are all a part of the human race. So until the next time, love, peace, and hair grease. 
and I'll see you soon on the flip side. Bye-bye. On behalf of our BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Check out our Black Hollywood Live YouTube page for even more great programming and amazing content. And be sure to subscribe and like our channel when you do. I'm your BHL host, Nakia Monet, and you can find me on all social media at Kiki Boom Boom or at Black Hollywood Live. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood Redefined.